Christ is risen. Christ is risen. Jesus right now is in his human form at the right hand of God. He is sitting there in his resurrected body in heaven at the right hand of God, at the throne room of God. And Jesus has one job, one task for his people. For forever he is at the right hand of God, interceding on behalf of you and me. He is sitting at the right hand of God, telling the Father, it is done, it is finished, it is accomplished. Not only did I go to earth, Father, but I lived that perfect life that you asked me to. Temptation came and I said no. And I hung there on the cross for your people. And yes, I could have called down legions to rescue me and save me, but I did not, Father. And then when I died, for those three days, I experienced a death worse than physical death. Father, for those three days, I was separated from you. I've never experienced that in my entire, entire life as an eternal God. I've always known fellowship with you. I've always known your love. I've always known your fellowship. Those three days were as if an eternity for me. I experienced your wrath. That wrath was meant for these people. Not just for three days, but for all of eternity. But I experienced what it meant to be hated by you. But you rose me from the dead. You raised me from the dead. We conquered death. We conquered sin. And I told my people, trust in me. Believe in me. I am not a figment of your imagination. I am not a ghost or a shadow. I am of the flesh. And then the Father took him up into heaven with his resurrected body. And he's reminding his father day in, day out, that all that he's accomplished. Remember, Father, to love my people, to pour grace upon them, to give them resurrection life. And your Savior, Jesus, having the right ear of God, is persuasive. And the Father listens. And the Father will continue to pour out His grace and His mercy to us who trust in Him. And believe me, your, your trust doesn't have to be this big. Your trust only needs to be this small. Your trust can simply be, be Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief 
Your words could simply be, Lord, I'm not sure, but I want to know you. Your words could be, Lord, I look at my life and all I see is sin. All I see is failure. All I see is anxiety. All I see is me running away from you. Help. And the Lord is there. You see, when God rescued you, God rescued you when you were dead. God did not rescue you when you were sick. God did not rescue you because you had a bum leg. God did not rescue you because you simply forgot. God rescued you because you were dead. And there's something amazing about being dead. You don't know you're dead. There's something amazing about being dead. You're, you're powerless to do anything. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself alive. And Jesus is saying to us is that this resurrection of his life is exactly what is needed for the resurrection of your life. You see, the Christian faith is not a religion in the sense that you need to do works. You need to do things in order to please our God. And as you do things to please our God, then our God smiles upon you. We do not live before God in fear in the sense that if we do not do the things that please Him, that He's going to be displeased with us. We do not have a parent that is hard and harsh and difficult. That whatever we do, we seem like it's not enough for mom. It's not enough for dad. It's not as if it's in our power. We need more wisdom, God, to help me to get to heaven. Lord, just that I just have this bum leg. Just help me so I can, I can run faster to you. Lord, I'm just sick. I just need to get better. And then I can please you the way that you want me to please you. But the story of the gospel is that we're all dead. That there's nothing that we can do to please our God. Our faith should be that faith that Christ had for three days, experienced the wrath of God by being separated from Him. And in that state, we have nothing in our power to escape. And this is why Paul is so adamant. Because he sees in the Corinth church the, the people getting too comfortable with simply living the religious life. 
of living according to their own wisdom, of, of people just gathering together just to gather together, of people questioning about very innocuous things, and yet at the same time being as bold to sin against the Lord. But here in 1 Corinthians 15, what riles him up to most is simply this. People say that there is no resurrection. That no one has ever been raised from the dead. That Jesus himself did not rise again from the dead. And Paul is very succinct. If it is true, there's no resurrection. then Christ did not rise from the dead. And if Christ did not rise from the dead, then you're still all in your sins. But not only that, we've been duped. And not only that, we should be pitied the most of everyone. My profession should be the most pitied profession in all of the world if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, there is no power. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, you're on your own trying to figure out this life. But God did raise Jesus up from the dead. He is alive. He is awake. And our charge is very simple. Number one, remember and live in light of the resurrection. In other words, have hope that God can bring dead things alive. Have hope that what you see is hopeless, that there is hope within it, Because if Christ can conquer sin, if Christ can conquer death, surely there is nothing, nothing too big for him to do. Have hope in your dead hearts, in your dead souls. Have hope in the anxieties and the things things that have weighed you down in the past. Have hope and don't make excuses for what has happened, but instead give that to the Lord and say, Lord, I am broken in pieces. I can't fix myself, but you can fix me. You have placed upon my heart because your spirit is in my heart of what sort of person I should be. Don't tell me that there are not times in your life when Jesus comes and speaks to you. The Spirit comes and speaks to you and says to you, I need to live for my Savior. I need to stop the silliness in my life. I need to train myself for all of eternity. You say, Lord, help me to love you more. I want to know you. I want to know your word. I want want a vibrant prayer life with you. I want to be able to go to work and go to my friends and just look at them and say, Jesus is alive. 
I'm able to put my arms around my coworkers, my arms around people at church and listen to them, sympathetic to them, and to be winsome in the end, be able to declare to them, listen, your brokenness, your problems. I know a guy. <laughs> I know a guy who could help you. He's helped me. His name is Jesus. He's the only one that I know who's conquered death, who rose again from the dead. And I urge you, let me pray for you. Here's a Bible. Hey, is it okay if I text some passages to you? I know that in your heart that you want to live like that, brothers and sisters in Christ. I know that you're tired of trying to balance the life of knowing Jesus and the, and the life of sort of living in this world. I know you're tired. But the reason why we're tired is because we've forgotten that it's not about balancing those two, but it's about understanding that we are new creatures. That that which we see is hopeless, that there's no way I can live for Jesus. There's no way I can love people around me. The answer to that is, of course you can't. But if it's true that God raised you from the dead, cannot God raise those people around you as well? When we look in the mirror, you see yourselves. And I know most of you here, you don't look at yourself and go, man, that's a really good-looking guy. Or, man, that guy has everything together. Man, I, I, am the, I am the person that everyone should be like. No, when you look in the mirror, most of you are scared. Scared that someone actually will get to know you. And then they'll walk away from you. But God knows you. He's never walked away from you. And it's that resurrection, hope, and knowledge of God in you that allows us to love other people. Because surely if God can love me when I'm dead, God can love these people as well. We have changed, turned something that is very binary, resurrection and death, into something that's very much blurred, We've somehow made these two circles and made this Venn diagram with something in the middle, but there really is nothing in the middle. What you put in the middle is simply what we would call religion, just doing what we can to live this life. But God wants us to live in light of the new life that we have in him. 
The flip side of that is, is what he says at the end of this passage. He says, listen, if the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. Don't you love that? Bad company ruins good morals. Wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, if, if we are still all in our sins, if this is all a farce, then Paul's charge is very simple. Live according to what you want and desire. Whatever your stomach says right now that you want to do, just go and do it. Because we have no hope. What he says to us as Christians, he says, where we fail is this. Either live and follow Christ or follow this world. Don't be, as, as the church lay out of sea in Revelation, don't be lukewarm. Don't be in the middle. Don't try to live both lives. Live, you need to choose one. I know you, that, that great quote from the Karate Kid one, from the Karate Kid, the old school days, right? When Mr. Miyagi says to Daniel's son, either karate do or karate don't. If you do karate, eh, break you in half. Either follow Christ do or don't follow Christ. You stay in the middle, you go nowhere. You are in, we are in a drunken stupor. If we don't live in light of God's resurrection, you have medicated yourself to not think about these things. And I often wonder as the pastor of this church, why doesn't God give us more, more sort of extraordinary um, circumstances in our church. What I mean by, by that is this, is that, you know, th there are times in, 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 the, in the life of a church where we experience a lot of suffering. And we've gone through ours as well. But you'll hear stories and upon stories upon stories of churches where there's, there's, there's these deaths that just come out of nowhere. And the church rallies together in prayer. The church rallies together. There are persecutions that happen. You know, the bombings in Sri Lanka, the bombings of churches. And the church rallies together to mourn. The church rallies together to pray. The church rallies together because they understand the resurrection is the only thing they have. But Satan is smart. He knows that here in the U.S. of A., if he does anything like that, the church will rise. To me, it's like what foolishness that these people would bomb churches in Sri Lanka on Easter Sunday, the day that the most hope that the Christian church has, the day where it's really clear to everyone that Christ is risen. What foolishness that is. 
you're not going to destroy that church there. They're going to rise up in hope in God. For us here living in the U.S. of A., living with comfort all around us, Satan knows our weakness. Satan says, listen, allow these people to just be busy about their own lives. Let the hope of the resurrection just sort of just dissipate with the worries of the day. Because the more and more that you allow these people just to think about their daily struggles, the less they'll understand and remember the power of Jesus and that he's alive. That Jesus is here not only to change their lives, but Jesus is here to use them to change other people's lives. Don't let them think about that. Let them worry about their own lives. They'll be useless in this world. And the church The church will have no efficacy. Brothers and sisters, today we have the opportunity to wake up again and to trust in God and His resurrection power. All that we can do is draw near to him in prayer, in supplication, and in fellowship. But our prayers and supplication is not about simply our lives. We're not here just to sort of maintain and figure out what we're going to do day to day. Our prayers about God's kingdom coming here. Our prayers are about dead things coming to life, not about exams being well done, not about the job promotion, not about simply things... God knows those things already, but those are not dead things coming to life. Prayer big dreams. Prayer big things. Pray about dead things coming to life. Pray about for people who are around us. Pray for this kingdom to be pressed into every aspect of this world. And let Jesus' love, his kingdom, his resurrection power be pressed everywhere. For us here at this church, let us not dally with the things of this world so much. Let's not dabble in small talk as much as we do. Let us not ask simple prayers that are simply prayers about how I can feel better about this difficult world. But let's ask for powerful prayers. Lord, these people in my life, they need to know, they need to know you. Do it. Lord, I have a strong fear right now of so-and-so. Help me to love this person with the gospel. Lord, you rose, raised me up with you. That resurrection power is in me by your Spirit.
I have access to it through you, Jesus, the right hand of God. Lord, make it manifest in me. Use me. Bring my family to you. Bring my co-workers to you. Bring Atlanta to you. May the Lord bless us and this church. Amen. Before we go on, I, I realize that I, I forgot the children. <laughs> so I want to ask the children to please come up. You are so wonderful. Hi, children. How are you? Do you guys know what superheroes are? I know. What's a superhero? They can fly. <laughs> superheroes have lots of different powers. Okay? If you were to think about, like, if I was a superhero, what power do I want? Would you want to fly? How much, what would you want to do? You have a superpower. Nothing? <laughs> what would you want to do if you have a superpower? No, superpower. Power of everything. Oh, power of everything. Power of everything. Chase, how about you? Power Time. Control time. I like that as well. <laughs> Um, but you know there's one power that, that actually is the most important power yeah. Yeah, as a Christian. And that power is to conquer death. Who can beat death? Can anyone beat death? No. Oh, no. no one in this world can beat death. Is there, is there someone that we know that has beaten death? Yeah. Who? Jesus. Jesus has beaten death. That's right, Jesus. That's right. <laughs> we know that the one the one power that's the most important is that someone can beat death. And that means that that person is able to bring us closer to, to, to God. Because death is not simply dying. But death is being separated and no longer seeing God. But Jesus is the one with his power who's brought us back closer to God. So if you believe in Jesus, who are you close to? You're close to God. So you can talk with God, you can talk with us, you can, you can talk with Him, and He will talk with you as well. Okay? Alright, let's pray. Let's all pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your resurrection power, Lord. Uh, it is a power unlike anything that we can ever, ever imagine, Lord. Father, for this power that destroys sin, destroys our, our inability, Lord, to know ourselves, our inability to love you and to love others. Father, we praise you and we thank you. And we ask of you, Lord God, to just bless us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to live in light of that power. Help us, Lord, never to forget that power, that we may be your children, and that we may be your ambassadors to this world that really needs to know and see that you bring dead things alive. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen